so good to be together. We're in a series of teaching right now called Money, God's Way. Money's an important issue in all of our lives, and so we need to know not what I think about it, not what a financial guru says about it, but what God says about it. He's the one who knows exactly what's best for us, and the title of today's message is The Heart of Giving, The Heart of Giving. I want to talk about the heart. That's really what it comes down to. I have a little baby girl named Lila. She's like 13, 14 months old now. Just goes by so quick. And I love her so much. I'm so grateful for her. This last week, she had a little bit of a cold. So she had that like eternal nose running thing that babies have. But it was like this yellowy, just, just overwhelming, oppressive snot. And it was really something she was dealing with. And, and that's my job. That's my job as dad in our house. You know, I'm, I'm on snot duty. Amy does a lot of stuff, but this is my job. And I take great pride in snot duty. So, you know, I saw Lila multiple times this week, happened again this morning where she's just got like a snot bubble that she's blowing here. She can barely breathe. It just sounds like belabored. And I'm like, oh, this poor kid, I got to help her. So what, what I do is I take her to her bathroom and and I, and I, I, I subdue her. I, I put my arm around her. Um, I, I kind of get her in like a little bit of a headlock so she can't move. Because <laughs> immediately she starts like whimpering and, and fighting and resisting. And so I, I just get her, you know, I'm stronger. I weigh, I weigh over by 200 pounds. She can't fight me. So I just, I just get her. And then I get like a little saline spray up each nostril, kind of get everything, you know, nice and loose. And I got this like automatic vacuum nose sucker thing I got off Amazon. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So she kind of hates it. I kind of love it. Uh, just kind of like, you know, and so she's there like, uh, uh, and she's never once been like, thank you, Father, for cleaning my, never once has she thanked me. Uh, in fact, it seems like I'm torturing her based on the way that she acts. You know, she will twist away from me. Like, you ever seen those guys try to wrestle crocodiles and the crocodiles are like spinning around? Like, that's what she does. She just starts like twisting away. I'm like, stop, stop. She's, she's like pushing my hand away. That's why I have to like subdue her so much because she fights me and I'm here. I'm like, kid, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to clean up your mess and you're fighting, you're twisting away, you're resisting, you're pushing my hand away. Let me help you. I love you, and, and I think about that because we talk about money sometimes in church because God talks about it in his word, and there are so many Christians who need to hear these conversations, and yet they fight it, and they resist it, and they act like they're being tortured, and they, they're pushing God's hands away. I see it every time, like every time we do a series on money, church attendance goes down like 7%. People are like, well, see you in four weeks. We're out of here, right? Like, I'll see couples there. They like look at each other like, ugh. I'll say something challenging. They'll be like, come on, let's go, let's go. And here's God. He's like, stop fighting me. Stop resisting me. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you with such an important part of your life that is so deeply spiritual and connected to your heart. And it's a mess for some of you. And you're either scared of money or worried about it or obsessed with it. And God wants to, to set you free and put your finances in order. But in order to be helped by God, we've got to surrender ourselves to God. And in honestly, in some ways, we've got to grow up and recognize that he speaks the truth for our own sakes. And really, this is about the heart. 
We talk about giving and and tithing, and it's really about the heart. When we return our tithe to God, it continuously returns our heart. God wants your heart. That's what he's at. He doesn't need your money. He's God. He has everything that he needs. He wants your heart. He's given you a free will and the opportunity to choose whether or not you'll serve him or resist him. And he wants for you to be near to him, to love him. And money's not really about decimals and percentages. It's about the heart. So I wanna talk today from the book of Malachi, uh, written about 500 years before Christ, approximately. And the whole book is a message from God to his people. And in the book of Malachi, his people had become complacent and spiritually dead. And we see the evidence of that. The priests had been corrupted. The people were marrying idol worshipers. They were taking advantage of the poor and they were failing to bring God the first 10%, the tithe, the first fruits that belonged to him. And all those symptoms, those problems were symptoms of the fact that their hearts were far from God. Because of this, people did not see miracles. They did not experience God's power or presence in their lives the way that previous generations had. And so the whole book is really a wake-up call to God's people. Here's what it says. The first chapter, the first verse of Malachi, God says, I have always loved you. This is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. I have always loved you. And this is still God's message to you today. I have always loved you. When you were distant from God, when you were sinning, when you were acting a fool, when you were doing the thing you think no one knows about, but actually you were living in shame because of, God still loved you then. He's always loved you. I need you to understand this today because I think some people struggle to accept this. So I want you just to, just let's make it real easy here. Let's repeat after me, okay? So here we go. God God has has always... Loved me. me. Doesn't that feel right? Doesn't that that just blow your mind a little bit? God God has always always loved me. me. He has. He's always loved you. And when we talk about giving today, we're not giving in order to earn God's love. He's always loved you. He can't love you any less. He can't love you any more. But when we talk about this, God, he, he talks about finances because he loves you. And I want to remind you that today, how much your Father in heaven loves you. Giving is serious, and it is special, but it shouldn't be scary, because you know the heart of God who loves you. So, hey, the first week of this series, very practical. Uh, last week was kind of like a Bible study. Next week could be very inspiring. Today's sermon, very challenging. Very challenging. This is your first week at Generation Church. Hey. <laughs> very challenging message. Here's what God does. God confronts his people. He loves people enough to confront them. We live in a world today where a lot of people think that if you love them, you should approve of everything they do. People in our world today think that if you love me, you'll affirm everything I do. And anything that makes me happy, you'll celebrate it. It doesn't matter who I'm sleeping with. It doesn't matter what gender I identify as. You should approve it. And you should celebrate. And that's not love. God loves us enough to tell us the truth even when it's hard because the truth is what sets us free. God loves you enough to offend you. He loves you enough to challenge you because you can't change unless you're challenged. He loves you enough to tell you when 
you're wrong. Some people, the truth will make them angry, but for the majority of us, we realize the truth provides security. Security, because when you have the truth, you can have trust. I can't trust you if I don't know the truth about you. The truth gives us security. Here's what it says. We know that God tells us the truth, and he loves us, and so we can trust him. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, here's what the Lord says. He says to the priest, a son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? God says, you have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? God says, you defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? So God told his people throughout scripture how to honor him with their giving. He said, now I want you to bring me the first fruits of all your increase. I want the firstborn of your herds and flocks. I want the best portion of your crops, the first 10%, or we, we would say the tithe, that's what it means, 10th. That's mine, God says. It belongs to me. And that's been a principle for God's people throughout all time and even still today. And churches all across America, churches only exist because so many people, they bring God the first fruits, the tithe. As they get paychecks, God's first fruits, the first 10%, the tithe, that goes to God. And, and we do that to honor God's place in our lives because he is God and he deserves to be respected this way. And it's important that we get that point kind of in our hearts that, that he's not your boyfriend, he's not your best friend, he's your God, the all-powerful creator of the universe. He loves you and he still deserves to be honored because of how good he's been to you, let alone who he is. And so we talked about this last week, how he responds to those who honor him in giving versus those who do not honor him in giving. And this is very relevant to us because in our church, like every church, there are people struggling with this issue. Some people are honoring God in their giving. Other people are possibly not. So in Genesis 4, we talked about Cain and Abel. And it said, Cain brought some of his crops in the course of time. He just brought a portion. He brought some. And God rejected him and his gift. Whereas Abel, he brought the firstborn of his flock, the best. It was the first thing he did. He prioritized it, and God accepted this gift and the giver. There are some things, church, that God cannot do. He's all-powerful, I know. But there are actually some things he can't do. God cannot lie. He cannot lie because he's always truthful. God cannot change He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God cannot be wrong. He's only right. He never has to apologize and say, my bad. And then here's something else. You got to realize this. God can't be second. He cannot be second. It defies his nature. 
He's God, and he can only be in first place. It's really the only place he belongs in our lives. And there are some people who will say God is first in their lives, but show me your bank account, and I'll show you if God's really first in your life. Or if it's Nordstrom's or Amazon or SRP or Wells Fargo, I'll show you if God is first or not. And there are people that think, you know, well, maybe I'll try tithing someday. You know, I got to take care of my bills first, and then I got I to take care of my, my, my things I got going on. And then if I have anything left over, then maybe I would give that to God. Can I just tell you, he wouldn't accept it even if you did. Because he does not accept leftovers. He is God, and his place is first place. And I think after loving us, setting us free from sin and hell, it, he deserves the best. Yeah. Amen? Amen? But in Malachi's day, just like in our day, there, there are some people who keep the best. They keep the first portion for themselves. There are people who, who keep God's tithe for themselves. God said it belongs to me. So there are people who have God's tithe in their bank account. Why would you want God's tithe in your bank account, right? But God says, I think it's really interesting in that passage. He says, try giving gifts like that to your governor, you know? Like, like afterthought gifts, leftovers, what you didn't want anyway. Try, try treating your governor like that. Think about it in, like, in our day and age, right? Imagine April 15th comes and you, you go to file your taxes and the IRS says, you owe $437. And, and imagine you're like, ooh, that's not really gonna work for me. <sighs> I got a 20 and a coupon to Applebee's for buy one, get one free nachos. Here you go. How many of you think the IRS would be like, okay, it's the thought that counts? No, right? They wouldn't, and you wouldn't even try it because you respect their power. And yet there are a lot of Christians who they are so casual when it comes to money and God and it makes me wonder if, if maybe we respect the IRS more than God. We don't, give, we don't give to earn God's love, right? But God cannot show you favor when you don't honor him. And a lot of the parents, you understand that. All the parents know this. Like, you love your kids. You love your kids no matter what. You know, sometimes it's harder to love them than other times. But you love them. It doesn't matter when they break the rules, when they are doing great. You still love them the same. But you know as a parent, you cannot bless your kids the way you want to when they're breaking the rules. It wouldn't even be good for them if you did it. And that's the exact same way it is with God. He still loves us. He loves us when we give. He loves us when we don't give. But he can't bless you the way that he wants to when you don't honor him with your giving because it wouldn't even be good for you for him to do it. And he knows that. If you want God's favor, give God honor. It's very simple. So here's what it says in verse 12. God goes on, he says, but you dishonor my name with your actions, not giving, not giving the best. By bringing contemptible food, you are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord. Have you ever felt that way? It's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it, animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these? Cursed is the cheat 
who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord, and my name is feared among the nations. Okay, this is intense. It says, cursed is the cheat. And we should break that down so we understand that. What does it mean in biblical terms to be cursed? It means this, to be cursed. It's the consequences of being separated from God. That's what it means. So you could go back to the very beginning in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve break God's commands. They're cast out from the Garden of Eden and they're separated from God's presence. They were forced to live under the effects of the curse of sin, separated from God's presence. Now we know that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ to save us, it reconciles us to God and it sets us free from the power of sin's curse. So when you believe in Jesus to save you, you ask him into your life and ask him to forgive your sins, it restores you in relationship to God. And so what that means is you'll never be separated from him again. You'll never spend eternity separated from him in hell like people who are still living under the curse of sin. And so when when you accept God, when you let him into your life, you are set free from the power of sin's curse. But you gotta understand this. That only works as you submit your life to him. Let me explain that. When you accept Jesus, you break free from the curse of sin, but a lot of Christians remain cursed in some aspects of their lives. That's a lot to process. I'm gonna explain it. Some people accept Jesus, but for example... They don't stop engaging in sexual sin. So they believe in Jesus. They might be worshiping him on Sunday, but they're still sleeping with someone they're not married to. Or they're still using pornography. See, what happens is they might be saved from hell, but they're still experiencing the curse of sin in their sex life. Still dealing with pain and emptiness and shame, maybe STDs, right? Their sex life is cursed. And the same applies to our finances. Some Christians, they accept Jesus, but they keep their financial life separated from God. And so their finances are still cursed and they're dealing with greed and worry and stress and debt. And God's saying, I wanna bless you, I wanna bless you. And you're saying, no, no, stay away from my finances. Don't mess with my sex life, God. I don't want you involved in that part of my life. We'll deal with that later. And he still loves you in the midst of that, but you have not allowed him to bless that part of your life. And here's how it works. As you surrender each part of your life to God, that part of your life is redeemed from the curse. And it comes under the covering of God's blessing and protection. So for for example, as you forgive one another the way that God commands us to, you escape the curse of bitterness. As you live righteously and follow God's ways, you escape the curse that comes with painful, bad choices. As you serve one another, you escape the curse of selfishness. And as you honor God with your finances, your finances are uh, set free from the curse of sin and cover, they come under God's covering of blessing and protection. So there are people who, who, just like we read, they say, man, when it comes to giving and tithing, it's too hard to serve the Lord. It's too hard to serve the Lord, but I would say it's actually a lot harder to deal with the consequences of pushing God away from your finances. 
Like I knew this family that went to our church a long time ago, and when they showed up, they were very wealthy. They were driving a luxury car. They had a great, thriving business. They lived in a mansion. I'm not exaggerating. It was like a mansion. And my attitude was like, hey, great, that's fine. And um, I'm happy for you. Uh, and yet this family, just being honest, they heard lots of sermons like this, and yet they never tithed. They never lived generously. We still loved them, still welcomed them. But here's what happened. A recession struck. And they lost their jobs. They lost their business. They lost their house. They lost their car. And they were forced to downsize into a small apartment. I don't think it's their fault that the recession came. But the problem is because they had told God to stay away from their finances, God was not able to protect them and provide for him the way that he wanted to when the recession struck. It's a lot harder to deal with the consequences of keeping your finances separated from God. He loves you and he wants to bless you, but God can't bless what you keep away from him. So should you be scared of God? No, he's always loved you. But I'm just speaking for myself. I would be scared of the consequences of losing God's blessing in my financial life. And being blessed, it's not just about the amount of money you have, but sometimes it's about the effect that your money has on you. There are actually very, very wealthy people whose finances are cursed. And some of you are like, I could deal with that burden. (laughs) Can I just tell you what? No, you couldn't. You couldn't, because more money just magnifies your money problems. In Malachi chapter three, verse six, God says, I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. I mean, he's so good, right? He's like, I haven't killed you because I'm God and I'm merciful. He says, ever since the days of your ancestors, you've scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you. See this again, God, he wants, he wants to be near to us. He wants to be restored to us in relationship. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Some people don't even realize they're far from God. Sometimes people think they're serving God, but they don't even realize that there's parts of your life maybe that you have kept far from God and he's calling you to return to him. God's merciful and he's patient. He says, I've always loved you. And that's why as some of us struggle with this issue, some of us wrestle with it, that's why God isn't throwing lightning bolts to zap us. It's because he's a merciful God. He's a patient and gentle and kind God. But can I just tell you that just because he's merciful doesn't mean we should abuse his mercy. Once you know what's right and what's wrong, it's to your own detriment to continue on in what's wrong. God's calling us to return to him. He wants us to return ourselves to him. We can't love God with part of our hearts but not the rest of our lives. We can't love God with our Sunday but not our Monday. I can't tell my wife, Amy, that I'm her husband on Monday through Friday, but not on Saturday because that's my day off. I can't tell her I'm her husband when I'm in Arizona, but what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I can't say I'm your husband, but not when it comes to money. When it comes to money, you're on your own. When it comes to God, you're either all in or you have divided affections. 
In Malachi chapter 2, this is what it says. Judah, the nation, has been unfaithful, and a detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. The men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. Okay, so God commanded his people, don't worship idols, pretty basic, and don't marry women who do. Don't, worship, don't marry uh, idol worshipers because then their, their false religion and beliefs will, will influence you and affect you. And don't worship idols yourself because I'm your God and that's stupid. <laughs> Why would you want to worship an idol that you carved yourself out of a hunk of wood from your backyard? Yeah. Why would you do that? Actually, think about it. Why would you do that? Right. It's not because you love the idol it's not because you love that idol carved out of wood or that idol of uh, a gold formed in the image of a calf. It's that you're hedging your bets. The reason they worshiped idols is because some of them just didn't trust God. You see, these false pagan gods, these idols that were worshiped, many of them were thought to uh, provide for a good harvest or uh, a fertility or protection from their enemies. So you gotta realize that in the day, it's essentially like people were saying, you know, God's good and all, but I just can't trust him to take care of me. So I'm gonna throw some prayers out to this idol as well, just to cover my basis. That's how an idol takes hold in your life. And then there's a lot of people today who are like, yeah, I get that that God's good and, and that the tithe belongs to him and that he's my provider, but I just can't really trust him to provide for me, so I'm gonna hold on to my tithe just in case. And that's how money becomes an idol in your life because you're trusting in it rather than trusting in God. And what God really wants, God wants your trust. He wants your trust it's ironic that we don't trust God with our money when it's right there on our money. In God we trust. <laughs> and I just gotta challenge some of us in our thinking in this, right? Because some people are like, oh, it's so hard to serve the Lord this way. It's never been easier. You think about throughout human history. Throughout human history, if you had a bad crop, your family might starve to death. If you missed a rent payment, you were homeless. If you couldn't afford a doctor, you just stayed sick. But then we live in this nation today where there's this social safety net. People get social security, even if they didn't save for retirement. If you can't make a rent payment, you just call up and say, I can't make my payment, and they'll push it back. People are getting stimulus checks again. I'm not mad about it, I'm just saying. We have a food bank at our church that gives people free food. We don't even know them. We just give them free food. And, and yet people turn around and they say like, ah, it's just too hard to trust the Lord. Like if you don't trust him in this environment, maybe you just don't trust him. Like, and actually it's better to admit that if that's the case because then God can actually help to build your faith. So I say, hey, man, take our 90-day tithe challenge. You have nothing to lose. You can tithe for 90 days, and if you feel like God doesn't bless you and take care of you, then we can return the money to you. Like, you have nothing to lose. How can we, save, how can we trust God to save our soul but not meet our earthly needs? In Matthew 6, 24, it says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then watch this. 
You cannot serve God and money. Another translation says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Either God is your God or money is your God. You can't serve both. Some people think they can walk that line and do a little dance. You know how you can tell you're not serving money as your God? Well, one of the ways you can tell is because you honor God with your money. You can't serve God and money, but you can serve God with your money by bringing him what belongs to him, honoring him with a tithe. See, money is power, is really what it boils down to. Money is sovereignty, and it provides sovereignty in your life. Money, having it, gives you power and control of your life, doesn't it? Right? If you have money, you can live where you want to live. If you have enough money, you can go where you want to go. You can eat what you want to eat. You can do what you want to do. It gives you power and control. It establishes your sovereignty over your own life. Are you tracking with me? Do you see why it's so important to God that we honor him with the first fruits of all of our increase? Do you see why it's so important to our own spiritual health to tithe? Because every paycheck, when I bring God that first 10%, I'm reestablishing his sovereignty over my life. I'm repositioning myself under him. And I'm saying, God, you're in control. You're the one who has the power. And some of you struggle to trust God, and others of you struggle to give him control. Either way, it's a struggle. When you hold on to your tithe, you're holding on to control instead of holding on to God. He uses this ongoing principle of returning to him to set us free from the slavery that we all struggle with when it comes to money. People fight to hold on to their money, but really, oftentimes, money has a hold on them. As you return your tithe to God, every time you get paid, every time you have an increase, it continuously returns your heart to God. That's what he's after, remember? He doesn't need your money, he wants your heart. That's what this is about. That's what this sermon is about. In Malachi chapter three, verse eight, this is the last passage. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you robbed me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. God says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. How great is that? I love that. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's right. In other words, I'm gonna protect you. Then all the nations will call you blessed for your, yours will be a delightful land. You'll be so blessed, other nations won't be able to help but notice it. So here's what God says. He says, the whole tithe belongs to me. The first 10%, that's God's. It belongs to God. Whether you give it or not, it belongs to him. He says, return it to me. It's 10%. A tithe is 10%. Anything less than 10% is not a tithe. Someone, I heard someone say like, I used to tithe, but not 10%. I'm like, you weren't tithing. Wow. You were tipping. Right. You just gotta understand that, right? Understand the difference between tithing and tipping. A tip is something you give to someone who's serving you to help them. A tithe is something you give to someone you're serving to honor them. Wow. So different. 
Anything less than 10%, I just gotta make this really clear because it is a very serious consequential issue for our lives. When we hold on to our tithe, we're robbing God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And what that does is it leaves our finances exposed to the curse of sin out from under the covering of God's blessing and protection. So when people say, I don't have to tithe to be a Christian, I would say, you are right. You don't have to tithe to be a Christian. You don't have to tithe to be saved from the curse of sin. But you do have to tithe if you want your money to be saved from the curse of sin. Does that make sense? See, here's how it works. God says this, when you bring me the first portion, I'm gonna redeem the rest. Because it starts out all cursed. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, broken world. But when you bring God the first 10%, the rest, the other 90% is redeemed and blessed by God. And so it's not just a cute pastor saying, but 90% blessed is much better than 100% cursed. And, and I think this is true. It's kind, of, it's kind of intense, but I think when we don't tithe the 10% to God, I think we're gonna lose it anyway. Because he says it belongs to him. So I think you either give it to God or you're gonna lose it some other way probably. People, you know, you hear people all the time like, I don't even know what happens in my mind. I don't even know where it goes. I'm like, I can tell you where it goes. And so what God says, like, I want to bless, I want to bless the 90% when you honor me with the first 10%. I want to bless you. And so the question that really boils down to this, I think we got to ask ourselves this, will you rob God or honor him? It's a very, very serious question. I know it's intense. Will you rob God? Or honor him. The way we honor God is we bring him the tithe every time we have an increase, whether it's a paycheck, stimulus check, inheritance, bonus, whatever it is. You sell something for a profit, you tithe 10% on the profit. That's how you honor God. To not do that is to rob God. And you're not just robbing him of what belongs to him, as if that wasn't kind of serious as it is, but you're robbing him of the opportunity to bless you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bless you, but he can't bless what you keep away from him, remember? And so here's what happens. God doesn't even make threats. He doesn't threaten you because he loves you. He's a loving father. A loving father doesn't threaten his kids. God promises you. He doesn't make threats. He makes promises. He promises you that when you bring the whole tithe into his storehouse, into his house, that's your local church, wherever you call your church, that he will open the floodgates of heaven and bless you beyond what you can contain. And sometimes God's blessing, it's financial. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes your faith is enhanced because God blesses you exactly the way you need to be blessed in each season. That's how he does this. So tithing results in supernatural blessing. That's what it does. And, and, And some people have asked, well, like, if I give a little bit, Would I be blessed for that at all? And I would say, maybe a little bit. Because it actually says in the New Testament, those who sow sparingly reap sparingly. Those who sow much reap much. And so you could say, you know, if if you're given a little bit, a little something, you might get a little something blessing in return. But here's what I do know. In Scripture, there's something about this 10% number. I didn't establish it. I don't even fully understand it. 
but God established it and it's important to him. I think it's because my hunch, it's the level at which it requires faith to obey. Anything less wouldn't require faith. Anything more would probably be too much of a burden, too hard for us. So God said it at just the right level to him. It's just the right level. 10% to him is representative of the whole. And there's something about that 10% level that unlocks a supernatural blessing. I'm not making this up. That's what God said in his word. Bring the whole tithe and I will open the floodgates. What if you bring half the tithe? No guarantees. I'm just going off of what he said. Bring the whole tithe and I will open the floodgates and I'll pour out such a great blessing. Man, God wants to bless you. He wants your heart. He wants what's best for you. That's why we speak the truth. That's why we preach God's word. That's why he confronts us because he loves us. Tithing, I think, could be more personal to God than a lot of people realize. You think about it, right? Because what we just talked about was that, that, that Everything is affected by the curse of sin. And when we bring the first 10%, it's consecrated and it's holy, it's set apart, and it belongs to God. And by giving that first 10% that's holy, it redeems the other 90%. Are you tracking that? Well, think about this. Could it be that Jesus was God's tithe? His firstborn only son who lived a perfectly holy, righteous life without sin, who died in our place. God gave Jesus as his tithe in our place to redeem the rest of us from the curse of sin. So I think this is probably more personal to God than we really realize sometimes. God loves us so much. And I know that for some of you, God's doing amazing things in your heart as you hear the word of the Lord today. Maybe you're being encouraged. Maybe some of you are struggling with this message. That's okay. You're not alone. Like, I've struggled with this subject before, too. But, you know, as you struggle with God's word and you surrender your heart to what he wants for you, you're going to find that it always, it always works out so well. It always plays out for your benefit. And so just be encouraged. You know, if it didn't require faith, it wouldn't result in blessing. That's how God works. Blessing always requires, it always follows faith. Yeah. Always follows faith. That's how it works. So let God build your faith today. Encourage him. I'm encouraging you in that. If you already are a tither, man, thank God for the fact that he gives you that opportunity to, to honor him with what is so important in your life. And be blessed and see God's blessing. And don't let it become a routine thing that you just kind of forget about. Think about how special it is to be able to do that for God. And if you're not, if you hear this message, you're like, I've never done any of this. Man, honor God with your finances. Don't rob God. And don't rob him of the opportunity to bless you. Honor him and be blessed. He will bless you. I want to pray for you today. God, we love you so much. And we thank you for your word, the parts that challenge us, the parts that are confronting our very our, our very hearts and, and the things that we struggle with. Lord, you love us enough to speak the truth to us so that we can be free. And we know that you use these principles, God, to set us free. And Lord, I thank you as you're moving in people's lives right now, in Awatuki, God, you're speaking to someone's heart. In Mesa, you're working on someone's heart right now, God. And online, you're speaking to someone, Lord, I don't, I don't know where, but you're speaking to someone and you're, you're saying to our spirit, this is true. And this is what I want for you. 
God, we thank you that your spirit speaks to us. We pray that, Lord, you would work in us and that we would be convinced not by a man, but by your word and by your Holy Spirit working in us. We give you all the praise and honor in Jesus' name, and we thank you that you loved us enough to send Jesus to redeem us from sin. We give you the glory. Amen and amen.